In business and life, relationships are everything. Welcome to the People Catalyst Podcast, where we interview top business leaders and learn how they build relationships with their teams, clients, and those that promote and refer them. Here's your host, business trainer and leader of the People Catalyst team, Carla Nelson. Since starting her consultancy practice in 1980, Eileen has become known as a master facilitator, an award-winning author, and an internationally recognized keynote trainer and executive coach. Clients have ranged from global pharmaceutical companies to educational institutions, from hospitals to the U.S. Armed Forces. She's the author of seven books, including her latest, Burnout to Breakthrough, Building Resilience to Refuel, Recharge, and Reclaim What Matters. And welcome to the People Catalyst Podcast, Eileen, again, part two, because we could not, we did not have enough on just part one. It's true, we did. So let's <laughs> rock and roll, Carla. Yeah, we talked about the big picture, right, about resiliency, and it's so, I think, not, it's absolutely important, but in this situation that we found ourselves in resiliency is really a cornerstone of figuring out how do we move forward from where we're at and with that just you know let's start the beginning of this to share the definition of resiliency right okay so my dictionary definition is not the dictionary definition the eileen <laughs> dictionary definition <laughs> it's my dictionary it's called to grow through challenge or opportunity, so we end up wiser, smarter, better on the other side. No growth, you're not resilient. So yeah. it's and so it's not going back. It's not bouncing back. It's none of this back crap. And there is no such thing as new normal because there is no normal. So first, it's all about. Growth. I love that there is no normal anymore, right? It's it's no. what it is, right? No, and because when we think it's normal, we're trying to put stuff in in a box and say it's going to stay like this. And if there's anything these current times have taught us is that stuff doesn't stay in a box. So resiliency is a life skill. It's not an event skill. And it's something that we grow. I think of it as cultivating. And the other thing, the hallmark of resiliency is through energy management. If I don't have energy, I'm not moving forward. I can't grow. And what is energy at its basic definition, but the capacity to do work? No energy, I can't do the work. Whether you call that paying for free or for fee, whether it's in the house, in the you know, in the yard, wherever you want to call it. So at the end of the day, resiliency is all about how do I look at what grows my energy as an individual, as an organization, and what depletes the energy. Yeah, and there's I think you just hit on two points that. I think that we can have a discussion around, first of which, the tactics of, let's start with individual, right? And then we'll move on to the organization. But what are the, ta what are the things that individuals can do day in and day out to build their individual resiliency? And then we'll get to the organizational. Okay, so let's talk about the individual first. And remember I said it's, it's building. Another word, that's an I-N-G word, which means it's an action verb. It keeps going. It's not <laughs> built. It's building. Another word is cultivating. And if you think about cultivate, you got a garden. You got to throw up the soil. Then you got to get rid of the weeds. Then you got to plant something. 
And then you have to nurture what you plant. You got to feed, seed, and weed. Well, the same <laughs> thing is true. The same thing is true with resiliency. I first have to say, what is the stuff that is zapping my energy? What are the things that are getting in the way that I've got to take the proverbial shovel and get rid of it? And so there are a number of things. And you can... You, you know this, all of us know this intuitively, but unfortunately our head says, no, 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 you have to do it. And our instinct says, mm, I don't think this is right. I don't think this is right. So the first way in which we begin to cultivate resiliency is to say, what is it I'm saying to myself? How is it that I am trying to live up to unrealistic expectations that are imposed upon me by either my family, society, and I just said, okay, okay, I have to work this way, I have to work this way, I have to work this way. And it, it drains my energy. Mm -hmm. And when we are faced with the anxiety and the confusion around here, I think what we're seeing is we're seeing an increase in anxiety, an increase in depression, because people say, I, I have to work this way. In fact, the research is showing that people are working even more. You know, I'm home, I gotta do more. I've gotta, I gotta testify that I can do all this stuff. Stop. So the first tactic is to say, what am I choosing to do? Well, and, and I, I love that. And I love the power of just stating that. What am I choosing to do? I choosing. Right. Because so what we say is I have to do this. Yeah. This sounds, I am so it's not reactive, proactive. It's proactively it. stating. I, I, and I think language, language creates a reality. And so when I say I have to, it says I have no choice. Mm -hmm. And you just gave up all of your power. So when I say I'm choosing to, and what we want is we want multiple ways to choose. So multiple ways. Sometimes we have to ask somebody else to help me. I, I'm, I'm stuck. I can't. I can't figure so maybe out. Maybe part way. of that is individuals just listing that out, right? I choose to blah, 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 right? This is what I choose. And then to here's do. the other thing, Carla. When you say I choose to do this, ask yourself why five times. Why am I choosing this? Why am I choosing this? Think of it like peeling, think of it like peeling an onion. And so you want to get down, or better still, maybe an apple because you want to get to the core. Because one of the people that I spoke to was a close, uh, case study in my newest book, Burnout to Breakthrough. He worked three jobs, solid for three days, two hours worth of sleep. Oh my and, God. And walked into the restroom of the office, the corporate office, fell on the floor and woke up 12 hours later in a pool of vomit. Oh my God! So that never happened. Wow. And he still didn't learn. The voice in his head kept saying, I have to do this. And when he finally became clear, because when I met him, I kept saying, why do you have to do this? Tell me why. Tell me why. Tell me why. When we got down to the fifth why, he realized, I don't have to do this. And there are other choices. So I said, what do you choose? Why are you choosing to work this way? why that why that and it is helpful if you have someone who is who loves you dearly and who won't let you off the hook and mm -hmm. asks you why yeah and so so i love that so being able to ask yourself number one you know why are you doing what you're doing uh personally right 
And then how can we apply it and use the tactics organizationally as well when you're aligning yourself with a company or not? Because I think, you know, even like, uh, I think one of the iconic companies that has done this is Zappos, right? They recruited individuals that thought that customer service was the number one thing. And they did some crazy things because the why brought the comp the personal why of each individual that said, yes, we want to make sure we are taking care of our customers. But then the organizational why, right, that they set on the foundation and then had their teams reaching out in that way that they believed that same thing that the company believes. So what are some of the tactics or things that individuals can do to make sure that with their resiliency, because I think being understanding your why is a lot of the resiliency because it's almost like what's stamped on your heart, right? To be able to figure out who am I, what do I want to do and what's my dent on the universe, but then finding an organization or building an organization uh, that's in alignment with that same thing. So you know, what are some of the things that people can do to ensure and or tactics that they can do um, to ensure that that's in alignment as well as, you know, putting it through a little bit of a litmus test? So there, there's two parts to that question. One is you said, what can I do? So you're back to the individual. The other one is what is the organization doing? So I've got, I've got two things going on here. So um, one of the things I think we're seeing happening right now is organizations are waking up that people don't walk in there to make sure you have a 10% return on the bottom line. Mm -hmm. That is not why they're walking in there. They want to know that there is a three-pronged part. It's people, planet, and profit. So I got to take care of people. I got to take care of the community, the planet that I inherit. And then of course we have to make money doing it. Otherwise it's not going to, but yeah. you can't just focus on that one thing. Mm -hmm. I talked to one man. He's so miserable. He's so unhappy. And he's working for a financial institution that is insisting that he has to put, he has to put in 50 hours a day. And he's sitting at this computer. Now I'm saying, why are you choosing to do this? Right now, his choice, he's still looking at other, and he'll leave. They'll lose some great talent when he can find another place that matches his heart because this place is not even close. And what's being required by the institution takes no account to the human being that's sitting there. So I think it's number one, what, is the, what, is the, what does the individual say? Like right now, and, and we go through phases. I mean, there are times in which I will choose to do one thing. I have multiple choices, but I'm going to choose this because at this point in time, my life requires this. But there are other things that what you say, but I'm not going to choose to stay with this organization because it doesn't match me. Mm -hmm. I just talked to somebody else today um, and he's got a design company. And I loved my conversation with him because he said, I, I only want to work with people who want to make sure that they're making a difference. At the end of the day, I have my firstborn baby coming in February, and I want a world that looks really different. So I only want to work with companies that want to do that. You don't haven't heard that much, and I'm thinking now we're going to hear that a lot. Mm -hmm. So it's having that conversation first with yourself. And I then love that, to be able to communicate it because, you know, number one, to be able to understand it, but then just communicate it so somebody else can connect with it. Well, that's it. And it's also for the leader, for the manager. How many, how many times does that happen? Well, so 
it takes a couple skills. Number one, oh my God, I have to listen. What do you mean? I'm used to talking. You know, well, I listen, but I'm not really listening. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to answer you. It is listen without judgment. It is listen to understand rather than to be understood. Listen to understand. Ask reflective questions. It's your, as my colleague Marsha Reynolds says, you are coaching the person, not the problem. Mm-hmm. So tell me more. What does that feel like? And it's, it's the ability to be empathetic. And unfortunately, we don't have a lot of models at higher levels around us that model both active listening, empathetic listening, and understanding. Cut off everybody. Just do what I say and that's it. You know what? You're not going to create a resilient organization. You're going to create an organization that looks like this with people going in, 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 out. And that's what we grew up in, though. I mean, seriously, it was, it's because I'm the boss and I said so, right? I mean, that's literally the, the what in the past has been done. And, and, and that's changing mm-hmm. moving forward, thank goodness. Um, because, you know, a lot of the work that we do, which I love about the why, how, and what um, that we had talked about in the previous podcast. And then, you know, the work that we do is really the who and the when, because at the end of the day, the object of the exercise is to get something accomplished. And that's in alignment with somebody's goals in life, both personally, and if we can make those personal goals, then attach to an organizational goal, and then have a process by which we make those things happen. And I really think it's cool um, identifying the why, the how, the what, right? Because those are the first. And then- So let's say, let me give you an example. So I told you in a previous conversation that my why is that I have to contribute. I have to contribute to create an environment that nurtures, supports, and transforms the life of business and the business of life. If I'm not involved doing that- You've, you've, I don't have a spark. I could go and do stuff. Somebody else's why might be to find a better way. So while the organizational goal could be, let's say it's customer service, all right? Let's use Zappos. It's customer service. For my why, I want to figure out the role I play. How can I contribute and make my customer's life better? For this person over here, if their why is to find a better way, they're going to look at how do we, quote, sell shoes and is there a better way that maybe we could match with the customer and give them some what's a better way to do what we're doing that fills their why and the other one fills my why under this larger umbrella that says how do we create the most amazing customer experience and i love that in conjunction with what we do it identifying individuals core nature of work that's based off of 120 years of marketing research the law of diffusion of innovations right the largest body we have had of marketing research and if people are thinkers or doers and to identify and say that's the part of the work that you do well so with every core nature of work i can always guarantee you they're going to have a different why because they're going to apply that strength in the thing that they need to be held in their magnificence for completely different across that entire body of research right and and then how do we then you know make um a relay race between them like how do we put the right people in the right place at the right time 
doing the right thing. My gosh, if you align the why and do that, you are just like in the we middle. Can, of we can do that. You can do that organizationally. You can start with a small team. You can run this through this process. And what we have, we want to have is conversation. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. We're going to talk to each other. Yeah, we're going to take time out. We're going to sit and talk to each other. They are in their cubicles, right? Let's actually have this conversation with the process. And well, that's one of the good things. If we have to say, and this is another thing about being resilient, is you reframe. Reframe is where you take what at face value looks terrible, and you say, how can I look at that in a different way? So instead of saying it's horrible, yes. if we're stuck here, you and I, Carla, and we can't go have happy hour, the reframe is you and I get to spend some really quality time together. Yeah. And I don't have to spend 15 minutes driving to you and 15 minutes driving back, right? Actually, I think either <laughs> of us would have to get on a plane, which right now we're not going to do. Yes, exactly. All sorts of things, right? So that's, that's the reframe. And if I were a really smart manager, and I wanted to create a resilient organization, the way I would reframe it is this is the way we do stuff. I want you to reframe it. How is a better way? We do this this way, let's look at it. Can we step back and say, how can I, everybody hates to do this one thing. How can we reframe this away and say, what's the opportunity? And that the manager invites, invites all those stakeholders, all those team members to say, tell me, if you were me, what would you do with this? Do you get it, make it better? Do you throw it out? Do you find a different way to do this? Tell me what makes you crazy. At the end of the day, you say, this is gross. Mm -hmm. And when I say gross, it's a process that I think we need to use. And it's called get rid of stupid stuff. <laughs> and I love that for more reasons than one, but one of the things that you stated um, that I think is brilliant is so many times and so many corporations that we've had the opportunity to work with, it's the boots on the ground, like get their input because they are frontline dealing with the challenges. And when they're heard, can give you not only the best advice ever to solve the problem, um, just given the opportunity, but it makes the biggest wave of, you know. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Mike Abershoff, who um, was the commander of the USS Benfold until he left, and he could have been admiral and he decided to leave. But one of the things he always did with his, with his sailors, not the ones of the, the rank and file, he said, if you were commander of this ship, what would you do? And he would listen to him. And then if he couldn't do it, he would tell him why. Mm -hmm. But many times they came up with great ideas. And here was what the idea, I still remember, this was years ago when, when, when Mike and I first met. And um, there's one of the things uh, in the Navy that you would, they call it paint and chip. So they're always chipping off the old paint and then they're going back and repainting it and paint and chip. Yeah. And he said, what a useless waste of human creativity, talent, and energy. So he went, it's down here in San Diego. He found an organization, a company down there that could actually paint the battleship and use the kind of paint that is not going to go in the end of a year. And he, he got whatever he needed to do to, to get that through the powers that be so that sailors were not wasting their time paint and chip chip and paint, paint and chip. It was done. 
that one simple idea, do you know how much energy was released for the sailors that were on board that ship instead of having to do this menial, stupid thing? Mm -hmm. Now, here's what's interesting. I haven't heard any other commander of a ship saying they did that. Maybe they did. Or maybe they ignored that. I love it. Love it. No, exactly. And some of the best clients we've had the opportunity of working with uh, because each group becomes not on purpose because most people, if you ask them, their biggest thing is, hey, I want to help others. I, I think that's kind of written on our hearts from the beginning. It's the, it is the number one in, in this why, how, what, in the Why Institute. There are nine whys. The contribute is the, the largest group it is but it's not the only group at all. Mm -hmm. Well, and then you have to get specific around it. And it's like, well, if you really want to do that and say, okay, I want to help people. Well, the first thing you have to do is listen to them and say, what is it they want and or need? And then how do you? Well, and how you just use the word how. Yeah. So if, if what I want to do is to contribute, if what I want to do is to, to find a better way, how do I go about that? What is the next skill set that I have that allows me to contribute, that allows me to find a better way and putting that how in? And then at the end of the day, it's okay, so this is what I do. Yeah. But that, and then see when you said the who and the and when. when. So if I become clear on that, then I can say, oh, John, this is a perfect chance for John. And when we get to this part, this is when John needs to step in here. Mm -hmm. So you can see it's this, it's this continuum that never stops of conversation. But here's what it's going to take. Courage. Mm -hmm. It's going to take courage on the part of the individual and on the part of leadership and management. Because that means that both of us have to be vulnerable. Both of us have to be willing to speak up. And it means most people don't speak up because nobody ever pays any attention to me. Why? I'm just ignored. I'll sleep. Mm. You know, or I'm put down. That's a dumb, stupid. I can, I can still remember walking in some who knows where corporation and this manager said, yes, I have an, I have an open door policy. And I'm standing there talking to him in, in his office and in comes an employee and the manager looked up at the employee and said, well, this better not be another stupid idea. Well, so much for an open door policy. Yeah, no kidding. That why even have an open door if you're not going to listen, right? Man. And, and that's, that's why we, that's why we have the majority. And here, Eileen, literally last 30 years, Gallup poll 70% of people in the U.S. hate their job, not don't like it. No, literally feel like they are trading their soul for a paycheck and hate what they do every single day. Think about what that does to their financial life, their relationships, their, you know, every single, all of it, it just seeps out into it. And I think you hit on a point there that makes a lot of sense. It's just let them know that they're valued and listen to how hard you know, it's, it's, it's it to be able to tell people because just at face value let's say this is a job i do not care for okay how can i individual bring something into that that allows me to see it more than what at face value okay looks like ugh, i don't want to do this 
and, and there's, there's two things. And this last year, I was in a, a, a cancer center, cancer hospital, and there was a children's wing. And on the children's wing were painted these wonderful, fanciful, imaginative characters. And one was, was a giraffe? And what I found out is that one of the, quote, environmental science, environmental, not science, um, what we would normally, used to call them housekeepers, we don't call them housekeepers anymore, janitorial staff, um, in any event, she loved to paint. And when she would have free time, she asked for permission to paint these characters on the windows on the children's way. That would started all those pictures in the kids' hospital? So when, and when she'd go into a patient's room to do work, she might've painted a picture for them. She might've scrawled something over and left it if they were out having treatment, a little note for them. I remember being in another hospital where one of the women in housekeeping, she would go in and she would sing to them. She's singing, what song would you like me to hey, sing? I yeah, I lost my first husband in 2011, and there were so many people that touched so many lives in that way. Uh, I'll never forget the person in ICU that was playing the harp, and I had tears rolling down my eyes, and, you know, just out of the goodness of that person's heart, and that's what they wanted to do, and it was just, you know. They, what they did, their job was ICU whatever. Their why and in this case probably sounds like contribution and how they did it was to make hearts joyful with music, brought yeah. the music in. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's finding places to allow that to happen is where we can begin to transform. And I think what we have now, as we come together in this virtual world, where now instead of being in cubicles, I actually can, I can look out at my team. I, I'm, I, here's my office. Welcome to my office. Yeah. If I had a dog, I'd probably have a dog on my lap. If my kids were still little, I might have a baby over here. We get to actually become human beings instead yeah. of a name on a I actually have loved in this whole weird, odd time, you know, see my blue screen, even though I can make it whatever I wanted, you know, I have my blue screen behind too. So Eileen, you are just a breath of fresh air and how can our listeners and watchers get a hold of you and, you know, share a little bit about your new book? Well, thank you. All right. My new book is called Burnout to Breakthrough, Building Resilience to Refuel, Recharge, and Reclaim What Matters. You can find it on Amazon. It's both print, it's Kindle, uh, it's also in auditory. Um, you can Google my name. You can come to the website. There is, there's, there's my email. There's my phone. We don't hide anything. We don't make you go through all kinds of hoops before you can contact us. There is a form if you want me to come and talk to you about what we can do for your organization. Uh, as long as they can spell my name, they can find me. And I am, to my knowledge, since my grandmother died, I think I am the only Eileen McDar in the universe. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time today. We super You're appreciate welcome. it. Resiliency is something that is absolutely important, not only in life, but I think in current times as well. So thank you so much for sharing your brilliance. Thanks, Carla. You're the best. Thank you for listening to the People Catalyst podcast. And remember, it's a good life.